Oi, oi, it's the Orient Outlook, episode number 10. We are into double figures. It's incredible with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stand Chum, co-commentator, Paul Levy. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us, and thanks if you've listened to all 10 episodes. Thank you for still being with us. Thanks for uh, getting in touch with us. Um, this week has been quite a week. Absolutely. The last 20 seven hours it has been tense to say the least uh to be an orient fan we will come on to that we're just going to fly straight into it this evening because there's so much to uh to talk about so thanks for all your retweets thank you for engaging with us on twitter thank you for all your emails it's what we're here for you know we love engaging with other, other orient fans and are happy to do so so on twitter now We've got over 725 followers, which is amazing. And we know there's more of you out there. So if you if you do listen and you are on Twitter, please get in touch or spread the word because, you know, we'd love to get in, get yeah, in contact. We like engaging with people and, and, and particularly the Orient community. So um, moving on, we had um, the Matthew Lockwood interview out um, in full and uh, viewing figures uh, are looking extremely positive for that. Yeah, it's available on iTunes and also on our SoundCloud account. So if you haven't listened to it yet, now's your opportunity to listen absolutely. to an interview from an absolute Orient legend. So some feedback on that. Paul, you want to... Yeah, absolutely. David Elias has been in touch with us again at El Coaldo. Finished listening uh, to the Lockwood interview. My God, that brought back some awesome memories. Keep up the excellent work. David, thanks for getting in touch again. At Stephen J. Clark. Steve, I remember you from school. Good, uh, good bloke, Steve. Yeah, loving the Lockie interview. Getting goosebumps hearing about the Oxford game. Hashtag legend. Great hashtag. Absolutely. And Barry Underwood at Bazal seventy three. Great interview with the legend Lockie. Hope he does get his chance in management or coaching at league level, which is a very interesting uh, topic at the moment. Uh, abs- absolutely. You know, Lock- Lockie's a great guy. Looking to get into that scope of uh, of work. So, so good luck to him. So, in the last episode, we asked you to uh, get in contact if you're on exile. Yeah, and we've had abroad. A, we've had our first Exile uh, Orient Outlook Exile. Is that yeah, right to yeah. say? The next one, because we we already did um, Gary in. Um, oh, we have Mr. Wood in in yeah. uh, Canada. So, so number two, the second one, it's uh, nominated by Mark Green, and he says an Orient mate of mine, Keith Byrne, lives in Dubai and comes over a few times a year, uh, and he and his son Elliot listen to the podcast. So if you're listening, Keith or Elliot. Uh, Hello, hope you're enjoying these sounds in sunny Dubai. Absolutely. And hopefully you're spreading the Orient word. Absolutely. So we've had others come in and we will get to you. Um, We're just obviously quite conscious about what's happened in the last 27 hours. So we're quite keen to get to uh, the Colchester game. But in the meantime, we signed uh, Michael Petrosso on loan from QPR. Um, He's a young lad that's very, very highly regarded by Harry Redknapp. So we've got him on loan uh, for a month, but with an option to sign for long, longer, so if, if required. Yeah. So hopefully he'll stay injury free because he looks like he could be a decent addition to the squad. Absolutely. In other news, um, the Dagenham and Redbridge uh, next round of the cup has been uh, confirmed as Tuesday the seventh of October. Um, I think kickoffs at seven, uh, either seven thirty or seven forty-five. It's seven thirty. Yeah. Confirmed okay. originally. Apparently it was supposed to be seven. Yeah, and then it got pushed back. So it's been pushed back that. to half seven. So good local derby. So. Let's get down there and support the Orient. You know, a decent cup and one. I think we've got a great chance of winning this year. Yeah. It's a, it's a more than winnable tie. And uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully see you down there. So, so next we, um, if you remember rightly, last time we had um, a goal of the month vote. Um, and it was a choice between Romain Vincelo's 
goal at Aston Villa, Dean Cox's goal against uh, Plymouth, and then we also snuck in, because it was in the review that we were doing, yes. uh, Chris Dagnall's um, effort against Peterborough, his second effort against Peterborough. Uh, obviously, that was on the 2nd of September, so we bent the rules slightly, but it was in the roundup of our in our last podcast, so you know we, we let that one slide in. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's our podcast, so what we say goes. <laughs> Dagnall's, Dagnall's goal makes it into the August goal of the month competition. And so the results for the first or an outlook goal in the month competition after a very very close fought thing it was genuinely it was. Ge- you can't fudge these numbers they were genuinely like loads of people were getting involved on the forum on twitter and the first team players yeah the first team players so, so Coxie came in obviously voted for himself Scotty C came in uh, Adrian Martin who's the kit man all, all went for to Coxie say. Baldry went for himself, even though he wasn't nominated. Yeah, so, I don't uh, know how that works, Matthew. <laughs> um, you can't vote if you're not actually an <laughs> uh, Sawyer came in and voted, and so did Nathan Clark. So thanks to them for voting, and thanks to you guys, because you know if we wouldn't have had any votes, then we couldn't have done it. Absolutely, and, and if he was available yesterday, um, we would have presented a certificate that I made on my computer at home <laughs> to uh, Chris Dagnall. The eventual so, winner. congratulations, Chris. Chris did send us an acceptance speech, but we couldn't actually understand what he was saying, <laughs> so we, we haven't put it in. <laughs> We have got that, but um, you and know, Stephen Gerrard wasn't available yeah, for translation. We, we, so. we, we don't speak Scouse, so we couldn't. Uh, unfortunately, that will have to wait till the uh, uh, until next time. Absolutely. Um, so yesterday, um, we were given the opportunity by uh, Johnny Davis. Um, so thanks, Johnny, um, to go and do um, Orient player. So any of you who weren't able to make the game, um, hopefully you listened. Hopefully we acquitted ourselves pretty well. It's not as easy as it as it might seem to just stand there and do what Dave Victor does and Matt Hitchcock, um, what they do. Um, it, it's not an easy job and uh, they do it extremely well. Absolutely. I was one of the first people slagging off Phil Neville at the World Cup for doing the terrible job. But then when you're watching a match and doing it, it's a completely different experience. So once again, you know, thanks to Johnny Davies, thanks to Dave Victor um, for giving us the chance. So included in that, we obviously had a, a press ticket and ended up at pitch side uh, for Dave Victor's post-match press conference and, and obviously having lost that game you can obviously understand that the mood um, with Russell and the players generally was was obviously quite low um, and there was a bit of a revelation and we're about to um, to hear that uh, now but, but the the full interview I know it's on Orient Player and I believe most some of it's on you on the Orient YouTube channel as well. Um, but we actually posted the full interview, uninterrupted, unedited interview on our SoundCloud page, which is soundcloud.com forward slash Orient hyphen outlook. So if you want to listen to the whole lot, do so. But this is what Russell had to say. What about uh, the next game, Notts County, of course, and we know that Roman will be back. What about uh, the likes of Joby McEnough and um, We'll see how they've come out of today's game. Um, the president's been honest enough via Moro um, Milanese to tell me I've got um, we've got one game to sort it out. Um, so hopefully we get a response on Tuesday. So that was in terms of your future. Yes, yeah, in terms of my future, obviously. Um, it's not a great result for the football club. These things can happen, um, but obviously um, the president. Um, we want better than that, and of course we all want better than that. So we have to look at the bigger picture, not just the short-term picture. But the situation is, um, we need to uh, we need to get a win on Tuesday, um, or that will be curtains. 
So we need to get a win on Tuesday, otherwise it will be curtains. So me and Paul were just standing there looking a bit gormless. Uh, you can actually see Paul at the beginning of the interview on a on Orient Play on the YouTube clip before Johnny zooms in completely on Russell's <laughs> head and, and and marks me out. Um, but you know when you you just did, didn't expect that at all, and I think it was like my eyes were sort of almost popping out of my head when uh, when he said that. I, I wasn't sure if I was hearing him right at first. It was one of those sort of shock moments. Yeah, it came a bit out of the blue. So as Paul said, the full interview is on SoundCloud un under our account. But we were kind of mid interview, and then Russ just came out of it. Obviously, I believe needs, he'd be so brazen. Needs to, to get a result, you know. Otherwise, it's curtains. There was no kind of you know, talk after the match in the press box that anything like that was about to drop. No one no one had any inkling. It just was kind of sprung as a, as a huge, massive surprise. It was. And, and the fact that he came out with it so matter-of-factly, if you listen to what he said, he actually says that the, che the president has been kind enough to tell me. You, you can also hear Dave Victor's surprise in the follow-up question because he kind of stumbles and he kind of stutters in, in shock. So if you have listened to it, we hope, we hope, we hope you heard that. And if you haven't, listen to it because yeah we would be amused so Russ done the interview which was about three and a half minutes then then walked down the tunnel straight away there was no usually after that if, if anybody's familiar with seeing it after usually um, it sort of stops and there are a lot of other press about and, and they usually ask questions after that but Russ was straight off back down the tunnel yeah straight down the tunnel so me so everyone was just kind of standing there in, in shock a bit dumbfounded it. really weren't we absolutely you know it was everyone was gobsmacked yeah so, we, so, because we had that exclusive um, give on that and wanted to get that out to people as quickly as possible, um, we tweeted, we said what we'd heard. I don't think everybody quite believed what we were saying and sort of how do we know. No, I, I wouldn't have believed I wouldn't have believed I us, wouldn't to have, be fair. And I'd have wanted clarity on how, well, how do you know. Absolutely, you know, and, and what we'll do is we'll never put something out there that isn't, that isn't true or, you know, we can't prove. We were just lucky enough to be at that post-match press conference. Well, I don't know if lucky is the right word. Well, yeah, uh, fortunate. Fortunate, you know, but yeah. it was a straight. It was a strange one to be at, you know. And after Russ disappeared, we actually got to see uh, Mr. Bichetti and yeah. Mr. Milanese, who and the um, new chief exec, whose name eludes me. They were all three of them walked over yeah. to the sort of northeast side, and they were kicking a ball about with a couple of little kids. Yeah, I mean, but we did. We didn't approach him. It wasn't the kind of right environment. Nobody did, to be fair. Mm. And I don't think they looked very. I think that's why they went in that far corner. Absolutely, but they they were definitely there. Um, but yeah, we saw them. Decided not 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 to not to speak to them. So let's we'll go through the Colchester match, and then we'll kind of go through Russ's reaction and everyone's reaction on Twitter because we've got some great feedback. So thank you for that. So the team. Yeah. So Adam Legends was injured. He'd injured his finger pre-game, and I think that was a perfect cue for. Someone who we've been championing for a while. No offence, Adam, um, but but Gary Woods, um, I, I very very I very much like him. Um, he was fantastic at Villa, um, although he didn't wasn't really tested that much. I think he's been brilliant in the cup games. Absolutely deserved his chance. Was happy he got it. He had a great game against Peterborough. He did absolutely oh, well deserved. Happy with that. Um, and then the back four: Lowry at left back, Clark and Baldry, and then Cuthbert at right back. Yeah, no surprise there. And no. then midfield may be surprising, but we did have a lot of. Um, Suspensions and injuries. So we had Vince Lowe who was suspended. Yeah. Uh, James who was injured. Injured. Yeah. Cox injured as well, but who managed to make the bench. So the midfield ended up as Mooney on the left wing, Pritchard and Bartley in the middle, and our new loan signing from QPR, uh, Petrosso on the right wing. And then Henderson and Dagnall. 
who rightly deserved his place up front, being on form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dagnall was a sure starter after his brace against Peterborough. Absolutely. And and that, that was quite a fluid 4-4-2, because at times I saw it as a 4-1-3-2. At times I saw it as a 4-3-3. You could just see them sort of moving forwards and backwards. I would have liked to see maybe a 4-3-3, like a proper 4-3-3. Because Mooney, even though he was getting involved, was still playing as a midfielder for most of it. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see if, if we would have had the... Uh, the midfield available maybe to go with a 4 3 3, but fair play to us. We went for the 4 4 2 with Mooney on the left wing. And 4 5 1 when we were defending yeah. because Henderson never tracks back. Um, and Dagnall was working his utter socks off again. Um, and so, from, from our point of view, the game was a little bit um, uneventful in the first half, as you'll probably all recall. Um, not much of note in the first sort of 40 odd minutes. And then um, uh, Mooney was out on the left wing and Marcus Okawange decided that he wasn't going to go any further. Yeah, I mean, and it was very late. Um, to be fair, way, didn't we? to be fair, it was probably a red card, actually, I would say. Looking at the replays, it, at the time it didn't look like one, but seeing no, it back... I'm still not sure. And I've seen that three high. times now. It was, was high, it? yeah. It was quite high. I, I thought it was I'm high. still not sure. I think red was quite harsh. I know Mooney isn't one to roll around and bang his fists and pretend he's injured so he probably he, you know yeah, he was no. probably down he definitely got caught um, and they went down to 10 men and it, it, it kind of the, the second half it came out and it was a different game absolutely but one thing I didn't <laughs> spot about the first half in the first half hour in particular I thought Petrosso was bang on yep, a lot of the play was going through him he got caught about two or three times a few of their players got booked for challenging but it was terrible. I think their tactics worked though because he picked up one or two knocks and then faded out of the game so I don't know if he's not fit maybe because obviously he's not played much first-team action. I don't know what he's been like for QPR reserves or whatever. But he seemed to fade out of the game once a few harsh, harsh challenges had been placed right. on him. But he, you know, he's a young lad and, and, and he was very much a, a good Cox replacement. You know, he was getting at players. He was a very, very good eye for the ball. And, and it, was, it was a pleasure to watch him uh, run that wing. And, and I think their, tactic, their tactic was to charge us down and play a bit dirty. I didn't like that. Absolutely. But yeah, fair play. It looks promising. You know, if we can keep him fit and get him fitter, he could be a, be a very good addition to what's a really decent squad. So, you know, half-time... A man up, you'd think we'd come out for the second half and really tear him apart. You would have thought so, but I mean, if any, well, Colchester to started the second half really well. They came out firing more than we did, and I overheard the Colchester assistant manager post match saying that they decided to keep the tactics as uh, with two up front because they felt that they if they kept pushing and pushing that they would get something from it, which is really interesting. So they played a four three two in the second half. Yeah, fair play to their manager, who's not even their manager, what is he? He was caretaker, so no, he, he obviously no. went for it. He's their manager, oh, he? he got promoted from the youth, oh, okay. I think, Tony Hume. Fair play to him, yeah. you know, um, so he went for it, but, I mean, there was a few warning signs early in the second half, they should have gone one up quite early, I think it was, um, I can't remember one of their players, but a decent effort from um, from Sears, he had a one-on-one with Woods, and Woods made an absolutely terrific save, Yeah, uh, done really well, really great save, and a minute before that, uh, Massey, I think it was, also had a, a hell of a chance which he kind of miscued yeah. and went wide but I mean he should he should have scored that and then it took him what to the 62nd minute yeah 
Absolutely. Well, you know what as though, as well though, and Russell Slade picked up on that they didn't score two goals. They got gifted two goals, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the, Baldry makes the mistakes for for the goals. Not to jump ahead too far, but you know they they've not worked for those goals. They've not come from fair open play. They've not come from a decent dead ball situation. They've come because we've made two crucial mistakes. Well, the first was a counter attack, so we left ourselves open, and then their man Sanchez Watt, who's fast anyway, yeah, was up against Marvin Bartley. Who was injured at that point? Who was injured, but kick. and I, he shouldn't have been the last man back. So Pritchard should have been the last man back. I, I, Bartley was never going to catch him. I don't. Know, was, I no. don't think Pritchard would have caught him. And I to be fair, good finish. I mean, Woods had no chance. I don't think Legend would have saved that. But what Woods didn't save it. Then yeah, one 0 behind to ten men. Yeah, absolutely. And and the effort before that that had come was from a literally a long ball out from uh, their goalkeeper, headed on by their forward man. And then it's picked up for Sears, who who we misjudged that bounce. So literally, we've we've practically almost been done by Route One football again. Yeah. And and that's been that's been a bit of a thing this season, and that can't happen. Players misjudging the bounce, not not gauging it right. You know, all right, you might be physically uh, not quite sharp, but come on, boys, you've got to be a bit more mentally sharp than that, and and you've got to be. You can't be letting the ball bounce in front of you unless you're going to be dealing with it. You claim it, you deal with it, you get the danger away, put it out for a corner, and let's regroup. Well said, <laughs> bloody hell, you should be a coach mate. Thanks um, So Bartley ended up coming off, like Paul said he was injured, then on came Cox, who clearly was probably rushed into the match, didn't, yeah, look, fit, didn't look like his normal self, so he moved on to the left, Mooney went into the middle of midfield, um, and Mooney done alright, but he's not he's not a midfielder, is he? It was nothing, it was nothing of him during the game, he did, none of his passing was great, his crossing, he didn't win anything, except for got, he got the player set, well he didn't get the player sent off, but... Uh, yeah, Mooney's lost in a midfield role. Mooney is a forward man. Don't play Mooney if you can't play him in his favourite position. There's no point. You know what I'm going to say to you, though? Who else is there? They're all suspended or injured, mate. It, you know, he maybe could have gone 4 3 3 and pushed Mooney up, but there's no one else. James isn't there. Maybe Harry Lee. Harry Lee was available. He was on the bench. Maybe, maybe Russ feels he's a bit too young to maybe get involved. Play him, maybe play him in the first half then. Give him a half and see how he turns out. Possibly. I don't know. Well, obviously, how do you know if you don't try something? Well, you know? Russ makes the choices, mate. Yeah, um, true that. So, we, I mean, we were quite unlucky. We, we went one down and their keeper made a great save from a Lowry header. So we were unlucky. It's <coughs> not like we didn't test their keeper. We did. But, you know, a few minutes after that, there were warning signs. As in the 70th minute, Baldry should have dealt with a... A basic clearance and kind of gave it away and we were lucky to get away with that one mm, absolutely and I wouldn't yeah I'd, I'd agree with you on that and then three minutes later exactly the same ball over the top Baldry tries to marshal it out of play Sears nicks it off him does Baldry bang yeah 2-0 absolutely. and he's going away from goal as well and yeah. he's nicked it off him right by the sort of just past the 18 yard mark and he's nicked it off him he's come sort of out and then made his angle better for himself and scored but even at that point you knew we weren't going to get back in it it was just one of those games where you know we still had 20 minutes left but you just knew it wasn't going to be our day there was just I don't know it was something in the atmosphere something maybe in the players being lethargic I don't know you know when you just get to a stadium and you just know it's not going to be your day it was weird, really, really weird. I wouldn't like to use the term that we peppered their goal because that's factually incorrect. But we did have three or four chances in that game. You know, Dagnall fell over his feet. Henderson um, turned rather neatly in the box and shot against Sam Taylor or Sam Walker. I, I thought their keeper played quite well, though. To be fair, yeah, man, he made a good save. He he done well from Henderson. He made himself big. Henderson was obviously expecting him to go down a bit earlier, yeah, but kept himself big. 
Uh, Simpson had a decent chance, but then yeah, made a skill to get the chance, and then got the chance and took a bit too long, Shot and lost it. Yeah. So that was that. A two 0 home defeat, followed by a very strange post match. Followed by a chorus of boos. I heard. There were, well, there were a few boos, but a few boos. You you'd expect boos. I remember thinking there's there's going to be boos after this, yeah. just because of the, of the performance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So we tweeted as we mentioned earlier about um, the. Um, Slade's comments that he'd been told that if he doesn't, he's got one match to save his uh, job or its curtains. And, and you know, we had so probably about 100 messages through through Facebook. My phone was, was boiling hot Saturday night with all the alerts coming up. Yeah, we had absolutely loads. So we'll go through the, the, the pick of the bunch, really. So Robert Demanda, good friend of the show, at R Demanda, said that's a disgrace. Um, Board saying stability and patience is key all since the takeover and then give Russ a one-game ultimatum. Pathetic. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Roberts at Orient Chris. Seriously, it's a poor start, but not the end of the world. Utter madness if Slade goes. At Valencia, Orient said, great. A chairman with either no bottle or a hidden agenda. A divided house never rules. At Dave Reichard, 80. Um, this is a sad state of affairs. He deserves time given what he's done for the club. Mark Green at O's Fans Basing says, I can't believe we are even having these conversations. I, I can't, I completely agree. For what the guy's done for the club, I absolutely, totally agree. Absolutely. Um, Connor at Con Murray, the future looked bright when the new chairman came in, but all he's done is mess up our beautiful club. Probably a little bit premature to say that, but I understand the, the sentiment that you have there. Absolutely. And at Glenn Walkie, a former Orient player. Um, wow, the new owners seem militant. Perhaps they've been waiting for a couple of bad results as they want their own man in. So I've heard that a couple of times, that maybe they're just waiting for an excuse to uh, to chop Ross. Probably right, absolutely. Um, at Simon Bedford, please give Russell Slade more time. Four more league games uh, would be fair. See where we are then. I think that's a bit harsh there, Simon, but um, you know, four games we'll see. Uh, Steve Perton at Pertron, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Bichetti can shove his money if he's going to be a dictator. Dave Toms at Orient Dave. Issuing an ultimatum after six matches is ridiculous and such dangerous precedent. We will become a joke. Russell Slade deserves better. Graham Levy, good friend of the show. Shmish Morshon. Uh, needs more time, which he isn't going to get. If the board can't see that things haven't gone his way, then they should go instead. Uh, and um, just to sort of finish up then, um, Andy Hyerson at A. Hyerson. Don't know if Slade should go or not, as I only get to a handful of games, but the fact that he made the ultimatum public equals no future. Yeah, very strange. I mean, very strange. So the ultimatum is, we're not Tuesday and you're out, but what happens if he wins on Tuesday? And what happens? We go to Scunthorpe and it's another ultimatum? Is he living game by game now? How, how does this actually work now? But just want to balance the positivity that we have out there, because you know we've read the forums and whatnot, and we can see that... You know, people are now that you know. I think you said earlier about a seventy thirty mix of people in favour, and there is quite there is quite a large percentage of fans that actually think that maybe Slade ought to go. Yeah, which I mean, I think looking at it, it's it, it's, it's a seventy thirty split. But we only mention tweets on this show that we get. So if you've tweeted and we haven't mentioned you, it's because you haven't included at Orient Outlook. If you yeah. do and you've got a valid point, you'll be mentioned. I mean, there's loads we could have mentioned, but we won't mention you unless you you use at Orient Outlook. And you know, all the kind of feedback we got was positive, you know, but there are people who, you know, agree with what the board is saying, you know, Russ has spent a lot of money on wages in the players he's got in, and, you know, for some, one reason or another, the players haven't delivered, you know, they still don't look fit, they still look lethargic, which must be a concern, you know, I know we had two weeks, 
late coming back to pre-season training but I mean these guys are professional footballers they, they should be on it really couldn't agree with you more and I got a text from a friend who sits in the uh, in the West End uh, Matt I'm sure you won't mind me reading your message out I would give him more time thing is he put pressure on himself with today's game he totally got selection and formation and tactics wrong three poor teams have come to us this season turned us over being organised and, and outworking us the one point we got against Walsall flattered us well, has you know, has Russ been a, a victim of his own success? You know, he's done so well since he's been here. He's taken us to comfortable League One status. You know, missed out on the playoffs two seasons ago. Last season, got in the playoff final and was just pipped to it by a decent Rotherham team who had spent a lot of money. But you know, has Russ been a victim of his own success? You know, Bichetti probably doesn't know an awful lot about Orient history without sounding harsh to Mister Bichetti. If you do get in contact, I'd love to hear from you. But. You know, would he have seen last season's result, you know, third in the league, 86 points? And yeah. he just thought these boys should be doing better without going too far into the facts. And top two for 90% of the season or, or thereabouts. So, yeah, I mean, he, he was probably aware of that because I think he was at Wembley. But, you know, that, that aside, that, that there are that there do seem to be quite a few fans that, that, that do think that, that Slade is now... Um, sort of it's time that he moves on and, and you know he's lacking tactical uh, nous if you like being able to change a game he went 3-4-3 three, three quite late on he brings players on quite late to try and affect the game although that wasn't the case yesterday and also in addition to that that you know some some I read someone wrote um, that the uh, results last season sort of hid the fact that there was a little bit of tactical ineptitude which Probably is a little bit on the harsh side there, but you know, some it's just people's thoughts and opinions. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, we give we give opinions, we give people's opinions whether we agree with them or not. Or yeah. not. I think last season, I think that's a bit harsh that opinion. I mean, Russ was very, you know, we were like, very lucky. We had a very good eleven. and didn't really have to change it up that much. And I thought when 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 he had to last season, Russ done very well. Yeah. Um, in changing it up, you know, when men doubled up on Mo, he'd get the ball to Coxie, and then when yeah. they went over to Coxie, he'd go, you know. I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah. So, you know, there was many, yeah, there's quite a few people that think it's perhaps time for him to move on and, and don't want to, um, don't want him to continue. Let me just say though, if he goes, who do people want? Because I I can tell you now, there's, Di Matteo wouldn't even look at Leighton Orient for a job. Di Matteo's won the Champions League, he's turned down Villa, he's turned down Napoli. What makes people think Di Matteo would come? I've heard that name of, around a few forums and a few uh, Twitter feeds. Zola... I, I doubt Zola would come. I'd be very, very surprised if Zola, if Zola came. Um, again, it's just it's just an Italian link. Di Canio, maybe a couple of years ago, but Di Canio's had Premiership experience. He's obviously going to be groomed for the West Ham job at some point. As, he's done League One as well with Swindon. He did, but as a learning curve, he's done that now. I, I mean, you know, I'd be very surprised if we got, uh, got Di Canio. Yeah, absolutely. And Robert Demander, um, you said um, in a tweet yesterday, uh, Matt Lockwood interviewed on at Orient Outlook, wants to manage Orient one day, now Bichetti wants the sack slave, conspiracy I see one. Absolutely. Well, if you ever needed another opportunity, it might be coming along, Matt. Absolutely. But, um, so any views that you've got, please get in contact. We're on Twitter at Orient Outlook, or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. So that result leaves us 20th in the league. Six games played and six points, you know, uh, massive week. Russ is probably biggest week in charge, yeah, I'd say. We're only a few points off the play off the playoff spot. We're Absolutely. Not, you know what I mean? So and it's too much panic too soon. And this time last season, if we win <coughs> if we get four points from the next two matches, we'll be on the same points as Brentford had last season. Right. You know, look what happened to them. Absolutely. So, Notts County away on Tuesday. If you can get down there, support Russ and the boys. Cheer them on, irrespective of, of how things 
um, sort of maybe going on the pitch, sing your hearts out, cheer the boys on, they appreciate the support, we know that. Absolutely, and then followed by Scum Football Well on Saturday, so if we get two away wins, that'll be a great start, so get behind the boys, get behind Russ, cheer them on, and sing your hearts out for the O's, and... Yeah, we'll try Just and be, be really as supportive as you can, whether you like what you're seeing or not. So, um, we are putting this out slightly later than expected um, because we have just interviewed the uh, legend that is Mr. Frank Clark. Absolutely, it's absolutely a pleasure to uh, interview, interview him. We yeah. will put out a snippet from that interview next week on next week's podcast. We spoke to him about all things, you know, Orient and a bit about his forest about career. Forest, yeah. But he was a gentleman. He was an absolute honour to talk to we've got some great stuff of him regarding the uh, promotion season which was just brilliant to listen to players like Steve Castle Hield Mark Cooper Lee Harvey it just brings a smile to your face Alan when you Comfort. speak about those players <clears throat> Alan Comfort and yeah great 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 times for the Orient so thanks for listening as we said if you want to get in contact with us please yeah, do absolutely you can get in touch with us at Orient Outlook on Twitter you can email us orientoutlook at outlook.com we have uh, a SoundCloud page or uh, which is soundcloud.com forward slash Orient Outlook and um, we also have um, the iTunes um, set up as well so you can download us from there yeah you can do anything you want to get in contact with us so again we'll just read you know, remake the point. Tuesday is vital, so if you can get down there, get yourselves down there, cheer on Russ, cheer on the boys, and sing your hearts out for the Orient. And as we say, you know, he's got no hair, but we don't care. So up the O's, get behind them, and really do, please, sing your hearts out. In Russ, retrust. retrust. Up the O's. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a, have a good week. Up the O's. Come on, Russ. Come on, you O's. <laughs>